0: Effective Living with Reverend Herring Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to study on the subject of the prophetic. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. For some time now, I've been teaching on the subject of the prophetic. It's one of the topics that I feel... Prompted by the Spirit to teach on because of the lack of adequate information on this subject within the church, and then the abuse of this subject in the church, which has made some churches to completely close up on that topic of the prophetic. But there are some charismatic churches that don't even believe in the office of the prophet anymore. I was talking with a pastor friend who told me that in their denomination. Nobody is qualifies to be called prophet. So how come that, you know, in ICGC, you hear of people like um, uh, Prophet Christopher Yawano and, uh, and all that. And then when you go to other den- denominations like uh, L- Lighthouse Chapel, you hear of Prophet Kakra Badin. And the list goes on and on. There are very many renowned and credible prophets of God that have been privileged to come across and, and, be, and work closely with. Uh, A man of God like prophet, Achoo Manasseh is an outstanding, incredible prophet of God with um, a proven track record in our nation. But how come that some denominations have completely closed up on the subject because of the abuse? I want to suggest by the authority given to me by Jesus Christ in the office that I, I operate in as a Bible teacher, that the prophetic is not a subject that the church should should close up on, but it is a subject that we need to teach properly. And as we teach it, we are able to minimize, if not eliminate, all the abuse and the excesses and the errors that go with this subject. And so that is what I've been trying to do uh, in this church for all this while. And I'm trusting God that all of you, as you continue to listen to these teachings, and I will encourage all of you to go to my my podcast and listen to it. This is the Uh, part five of the part five. Uh, I don't know what I'll do part six, but uh, for now I'm trusting God that the part five will be able to take us very far. The subject actually, to be frank with you, is, is very broad and how best I can make you know as much about it as possible. And so I have defined the prophetic as a man's ability to tap into the Spirit, to know the mind of God, and to predict the future accurately. So the prophetic is about ability to tap into the Spirit. If you are a child of God, we are born again Christian, you don't need to be a pastor, a prophet, or a man of God to be able to tap into the Spirit. Every Christian must be able to tap into the Spirit. Galatians 5, Apostle Paul said, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So John 3 verse 6 said, He that is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. So as a Christian, you are a spirit being. You are not an ordinary human being. You are a spirit being. John 3 8, Jesus said, The wind blows where it likes. You can hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it's going or where it's coming from or where it's going. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and your life becomes um, supernatural. But you must know how to maneuver your way and yourself in the spirit realm and be able to utilize your spiritual life to enhance your practical life experiences and make progress and be victorious over the works of the devil and be successful in your life and be a good child of God. The prophetic has an important indicator. It is able to predict the future accurately. So the prophetic is defined as man's ability to tap into the spirit, to know the mind of God, and to predict the future accurately. It is very important that we know the mind of God. It is very important that we predict the future accurately. Like I said some time ago, the prophetic is not about forecasting. I will explain this further, but we can forecast a lot of things. We can forecast events. We can forecast football matches, and that is what people bet. It is easy to forecast certain things, but the prophet is not about forecasting. Sometimes we hear a lot of people giving prophecy on 31st December. It's all forecast. I mean, if somebody is 100 years old and you you are predicting he would he would die if they don't pray. I mean, that is not a prophecy. I mean, I mean, somebody is 100 years old, we know the most probable event of his life will be death. So that is not prophecy. It, then they tell you, if you don't pray, you'll die. You know, so they are not even telling you the person going to die. They are just forecasting. And then if the person doesn't die, like somebody said about the national chief imam, he's still not dead. It means we prayed, isn't it? So, but that is not So, prophecy. That is not prophecy. So th- what is the purpose of the prophetic? The Number one, the purpose of the prophetic is to expose the reality of the spirit realm so people can look beyond the physical. Life goes beyond the physical. Everywhere you are, not the sound of my voice, your life is, is more than... What you see physically as we are here now in church, can see chairs, I can see chairs, I can see people sitting on chairs, I can see um, all of you nicely dressed, but there is more to life than what we see here. Somebody can tap into the spirit and see the presence of God, the power of God, the angels. There are times we are in miracle service and suddenly I begin to see things about people. I begin to see angels. Um, I see things. You know, one day I was in ministry in a program in Hosanna Temple. Back those days when I was in Hosanna Temple, I, I saw an angel put his hands into a woman's stomach and pulled out a tumor. You know, I was ministering. I called the woman. I said, I mean, this is what I saw. And she said, yes, I have a fibroid and I have some problems in my womb. I said, this is what I saw. I believe God has healed you. So there is more to life than the physical. So the prophetic helps you to see beyond the physical. So you can become conversant with the spiritual reality around you and the things that are happening around you and then you can be able to um, take advantage of it. Number two purpose of the prophetic is to reveal the certainty of the future so that people can look beyond the present. Life goes beyond the present. There is a future. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, there are realities ahead of you, but the prophetic helps you to see beyond the present so that you can have hope, so that you can look beyond where you are now. When I remember when I took over this church, the first thing I asked the Lord is, Lord, can you tell me why I'm here and where we are going? And then I saw a lot of great things. I saw this church becoming, you know, an outstanding church in ICGC. And that helped me to look beyond what I came to see. But today, by the grace of God, some of the things I saw then is happening now. For instance, those days were very few. We were just about 100 members. We sit half of the place. Uh, but I used to see this place full. I used to see the car park full. I used to see, uh, and, and today it's happening. I mean, sometimes in church, we, we have overflow. Uh, all these things is very important. So the prophet helps you to see that you may be broke today but um, you are a multimillionaire tomorrow. That is the prophetic. Very important. It helps you to see the future. Uh, the third purpose of the prophetic is to bring Christians in alignment to God's perfect will. Very important. The purpose of the prophetic is to know the mind of God, walk in the perfect will of God, because the blessing and the miracle and the breakthrough, the victory is in the perfect will of God. When you get out of the will of God, sometimes your whole life becomes a mess. The father of the Christian doesn't mean everything will go well for you. So we have the good will, we have the acceptable will, and we have the perfect will. The prophetic makes you walk in the perfect will of God. And that is the purpose of the prophetic. Now, um, last week, I was talking about prophetic declarations. I want to uh, remind all of you that there are seven different levels of the prophetic. God wants to talk to all his children. That is the reality of the New Testament. So the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament... People have to hear God's voice through the prophet or through a few other means, which I'll talk about briefly. So in the Old Testament, the major way of hearing God was through the office of the prophets. So we have prophets like Moses who go to the mountain and hear God and then he will bring the word to the people. According to Amos 3.7, anytime I read Amos 3.7, I want to warn you, don't bring it to the New Testament. That scripture is very, very related to the Old Testament. Amos 3.7 says, The Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And so, the prophets was the one major way that God speaks to people in the Old Testament. Apart from the the office of the prophet, we also have what we call the Urim and the Turim. It is what the priests use in the next part, I'll have time to explain to you better. But the Urim and the Turim, is, they have a device that they do it in the form of lot. You know, sometimes you read the Babylon here, they say they cast lots. They are casting lots. It's like um, during a football match, you see the referee throwing a coin in the air. The coin has a head and a tail. The priests had a device, not a coin, by the way. They had a device that they can say, okay, God, if you want us to go, right? Let the lot turn this way. Well, if one does go left, let it turn this way. That is how uh, most of decisions were determined, especially David, uh, when he wants to go to war and things like that. So they had the Urim and the Turim, which sometimes you hear in the Bible say they cast lots. Uh-huh. Once in a while, in the Old Testament, we also see God talking to people through fleas. Fleece. Uh, fleas fleece, uh, happened in the life of Gideon. Gideon said, Lord, if you are the one who really spoke to me, then let, I think he talked about something should get wet. And then the around it should be dry. And then it happened the way he wanted it. And then the next night he said, Lord, if you are still the one, let it be dry and let all the surrounding be wet. That's what we call fleas. Um, That is Old Testament. But in the New Testament, God speaks to everyone directly. He loves to speak to us, but he speaks from seven different levels. And I want every member of the church and everyone listening to the sound of my voice to know God can talk to you today and he won't really want to talk to you. That is if you are a child of God, uh, because if you become born again, one of the things that happens to you is that you cease to just be a worshiper of God, but you also become a child of God. You know, there's a difference between a worshiper of God and a child of God. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Said, pray saying, our Father in heaven. It is a completely different relationship from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God was their God, but they couldn't call him a father. But in the New Testament, God is not just our God. He is also our Father. So God is our Father and also our God. We need to always be mindful of that. For instance, all of you know that my daughter is a member of this church. Every week she listens to me preach, but she's listening to her pastor and her father at the same time. That's what I'm talking about. So if my daughter listens to her pastor and her father, she has to play with me sometimes as her father, crack jokes with me. But if she comes to me for prayer and I'm praying for her, she kneels down. She knows that this is a man of God praying. You have to always fluctuate between God as your God and God as your father. But as a father, he must talk to you. As your God, he performs the functions of, of God in your life, which includes protecting you, preserving your life, answering your prayers, blessing you, making sure that everything goes well for you for his name's sake. But as a father, he shows you love, speaks to you, encourages you, he's always with you, he never leaves you, he watches you, and he guides you. So, seven levels of the prophetic. Number one, seeing into the spirit. That is visions and dreams. And all from the Old Testament to now, we've seen a lot of people have visions and dreams. Even unbelievers, God spoke to unbelievers through visions and dreams. Abimelech um, took Abraham's wife. God appeared to him in a dream and said, you are a dead man. Laban, When Laban wanted to go and, and kill Jacob, God appeared to him in a place called um, uh, Gilead. And God said, make sure you don't try it because I will deal with you. But we also know people who are godly people who God spoke to in dreams. Joseph is one. And so we have visions and we have dreams. There are different kinds of visions. I think um, I can talk about three kinds of visions. The first one, a closed vision, is you close your eyes and then you see you see things with your eyes closed. I see that a lot most of the times. The next one is your eyes are opened and then you see. That also I see sometimes only when I'm ministering in miracle services. Three weeks ago, I was in a church called Holy Hill uh, Temple, ICGC Church. There was this beautiful girl sitting at the front. She was a singer. As I was teaching, I just walked close to her. And I walked close to her because something kept attracting me to her. And so that's how the spirit leads me sometimes. So I got close to this lady and suddenly I saw that I was with her in Togo. That is an example of an open vision. My eyes were open. I was looking at her, but suddenly I, I could see myself with her in Togo. So I asked her, do you come from Togo? Do you, have, do you come from Togo? And she said, yes, she comes from Togo, but she's never been there before. She comes from Asamankese. And as soon as she said Asamankese, suddenly I saw that I was with her on the Asamankese road, but we didn't get to Asamankese itself. We got to a town called Mipom. So I said, no, are you sure you'll come, you, your parents in Asamankesi itself, or a town before Asamankesi. Oh, a town before Asamankesi. as Then she mentioned the name Mipom. So that is an example of an op- open vision. Now you are listening to me here in church, but you can take your mind home, isn't it? Yeah, that's how it happened. Open visions is not you taking your mind home, but the visions, they come to you in flashes. I was in Ho last month uh, to preach in a church called Paradise Chapel. The final night, I was praying for people and... I stood in the middle of the church, and suddenly I saw that I was in a town in the Volta region called Alavanyu. And I asked whose father is in Alavanyu because it has something to do with a man. So that is an example of open visions. Then we also have a trance. A trance is you are not conscious, but you are also not asleep. It's like you are half asleep, half awake, and then you see, you saw a lot of things. And, and it sometimes happen when you are praying. Sometimes, even when you are not praying... Um, it can happen to you. And then suddenly you saw something and you came back to yourself and you realized that this is it. So that's the first level of the prophetic. Visions, seeing to the Spirit. The problem with the seeing to the Spirit is that if you don't interpret the vision accurately, you will be completely in error. That is why seeing is the first level of the prophetic. It's the lowest level of the prophetic because it doesn't have 100% certainty unless you are very matured and experienced in the spirit. So that is about seeing to the spirit. The second level of the prophet is hearing the voice of God. And hearing the voice of God, I said that there are two levels. The first level is the still small voice, or let me say the silent voice. And then the second one is the audible voice. And here the voice of God is, is something that is very clear and authentic. If God speaks to you, you will, you will hear it clearly. Samuel heard the voice of God, and he thought it was his father, the priest who was calling him, you hear him audibly, very authoritatively. But I, I want to say that most of the times the voice of God you hear it within you but you can tell that it's not your mind that is playing on you. You can hear the voice within you because he speaks by the Holy Spirit who is in you. The, the voice of God can also be a still small voice or what we say the silent voice. You will not hear an audible thing but he will still talk to you in a very quiet way like in a whisper. Now The issue with hearing the voice of God also is that not every voice you hear is the voice of God. So you must be careful to discern, to understand, to judge the voice. In fact, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the voice he heard was what voice? The voice of the devil, isn't it? Yeah. So when you hear a voice, please be careful. Satan can speak. Like I said in this teaching, I've heard the voice of the devil before. I've heard voices before that I thought was God's voice, but I had to pray. That's why I encourage people to pray about what you hear and then be careful and subject it to proper judgment. Um, I have taught how to judge a voice. The third level of the prophet is discerning the leading of the Spirit. Um, the Spirit leads us. Sometimes He won't talk to you, but He will lead you. Uh, and you will know He is the one leading you. And you have to learn. I think Kennevagan kind of says that is the commonest way that God speaks to us, the leading of the Spirit. And it's very important. to so, you can listen more on this on, on podcast. There's, the fourth level of the prophetic is the gift of prophecy. The fifth level of the prophetic is the prophetic anointing. The sixth level of the prophetic is the office of the prophet. And then the last level of the prophetic is the, the prophecy of Scripture. Prophecy of Scripture. Today, I want to continue from where I ended. Last week, I was talking about prophetic declarations. Prophetic declarations can come to you from either a prophet or from a man of God with a prophetic anointing on his life. During this teaching, I said that a man like Apostle Paul gave a lot of prophecies. One of it is 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The Another one is 1 Timothy chapter 4, I think. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He talked about going to the third heaven. He saw visions. Apostle Paul was a man of the spirit, but he's not a prophet. He never called himself a prophet. So uh, in the New Testament, you will come across many men of God who have a prophetic anointing on their lives. Um, they can see into the Spirit, but they are not prophets. John, uh, the apostle, wrote the whole of Revelation out of visions that he saw that Jesus gave him on an island called the island of Patmos. And he said that, I was in the Spirit on the last day, and I saw visions. Now, there are men of God who are being called prophets today, but they are not prophets. They have a prophetic anointing on their lives. Now the sad thing today is that in many Christians, out of ignorance, once somebody can see into the spirit, they call him a prophet. But the mark of a prophet is not necessarily seen into the spirit. Otherwise, Apostle Paul should have been called a prophet, but he would never call himself a prophet. Apostle Paul called himself an evangelist, a teacher, and an apostle. He said he was an apostle according to uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 11, he said he was an apostle, an evangelist, and a teacher. And if you look at his, his ministry, that's all he did. He evangelized through a, a lot of outreach work. Then he, he plants churches, and then he will raise pastors to take over the church, which is the apostolic ministry, and then he goes to the next place. So Apostle Paul was not a prophet, and there are many men of God today. I believe I'm not a prophet. By the grace of God, I, I have a prophetic, strong prophetic anointing on my life that makes me able to operate in the gift of the Spirit, called the gift of word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I operate in the gift of prophecy, and apart from that, I operate in the gift of discerning of spirits. I've seen a lot by the grace of God. Some of them have come to pass. Last year, I gave a prophecy to one of us in the church, uh, Brother Emmanuel. I'm, I'm sure some of, some of you remember at the miracle service. I said publicly that I wanted him to sow a seed in foreign currency, preferably dollars, any amount of his heart desire. And the reason why I want him to do that, because I saw him and the whole family moving out of Ghana. That was last year. He did that. I prayed for him. All of you can remember. Um, I wanted to know that as I'm talking now, the wife um, has moved to the UK and Brother Emmanuel has got a visa for himself and all the children to UK. And by God's grace, by next month, they are moving. The whole family has relocated. I saw it. But that doesn't mean everybody should start calling me prophet. So I'm teaching on the prophetic. I know what I'm talking about. But there are also men of God that I respect as prophets. You know, people like Prophet Daniel Ahusanya, he was in this church. I mean, these are prophets. They are, they are called into the office of the prophet. In the part three of this teaching, I talked about the office of the prophet. That the prophet is someone called into full-time ministry and established into that office of the prophet. You know, they have a stronger dimension of the prophetic anointing, of course. And their work is different from that in the Old Testament, a little. The work of the prophet is to preach the gospel to unbelievers. That means if a prophet meets an unbeliever, he's not supposed to prophesy to him. He's supposed to talk to the person about Jesus Christ. That is the work of a prophet to an unbeliever. You can't tell us unbelievers to call you on phone and receive prophecies. That is ignorance. That is error. That is a mess. A prophet can prophesy to believers, but you cannot prophesy to an unbeliever. The only prophecy you can give an unbeliever is Jesus is the Savior of the world. Give your life to Jesus and be saved. So you're preaching the gospel to unbelievers, teaching believers principles of Scripture, especially principles of the supernatural, the spirit realm, the spiritual life. Prophets teach more about the spiritual the third function of a prophet is intercession. Because prophets can see a lot of things, God wants them to be in the intercessory ministry, to pray a lot, pray interceding for the church, interceding for members, interceding for nations, interceding for the global events. Prophets are people that every time God is showing them things that are about to happen, that they must rise up and praise. I mean, true prophets of God, every time you see them, they have a prayer you know, calendar, they have a prayer agenda all over the year intercession is going on, three days fasting, seven days, 21 days, you know. If you are conversant, you know, one day a friend of mine went to Prophet Sarkodius Church in uh, Potters City Church if you go to a prophetic church and there's no prayer i'm telling you god is not there there's there's something else a pastor friend of mine went to potter city church and he said ah they were doing 100 day fasting i said that is the that is the ministry of the prophet they intercede and if you go to professor cordius church you won't hear too many prayers about pray i mean pray for money pray for car and visa and those no 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 they are praying about global issues nations interceding. Look at the things that are happening around the world. Look at I mean the earthquake in Turkey and, and it was such an a, a precious son of this land died just like that. The day I heard it, I, I, I kept thinking about the children. I said, "Wow, how are the children going to handle the death of a loving father like this?" But somebody's intercession could have intercepted that. So that's the office—that's the office of the prophet to intercede for families. You know, the first person that was called a prophet in the Bible was Abraham. God said to Abimelech that Abraham is a prophet, and if you restore his wife, he will pray for you and you and your family will be healed. But if you don't return his wife, you are going to die. But one of the things that Abraham did a lot was intercession. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, that God will not destroy a lot. So intercession is the ministry of the prophet. Prophet are supposed to lead people in prayer. Lead the church in prayer. The fourth function of the prophet is ministering to believers under their prophetic anointing. Ministering to believers. When the prophetic anointing is very strong on a prophet, he's able to pray for people, see things about people, give prophe- prophecies to people about their future, pray, I mean, help people to understand their times and seasons and the dynamics, and minister to people. Uh, the fifth function of a, a prophet is to bring people close to Jesus. You know, there are some things when you... You see it, and you say it. it makes people who are even skeptical. People don't even believe that there is God. Those days, um, when we're uh, in the university, a friend of mine in Legon, Prophet Christopher, now came to Legon to do a program, and this guy said, "I don't believe in God." But he said he went to that meeting, and when the meeting ended, he said, "Now I believe there is God." Why? Because <laughs> the things the man saw and said about people, you know, it will humble you. So prophets are supposed to remove skepticism, doubts about the existence of God, about whether Christianity, whether the Spirit of God is real, you know. So it help people to come closer to Jesus and to live their lives. The sixth function of the prophet is, is to warn the church about impending danger and how they can strategically avoid danger. So the prophets are people who are supposed to come into the church and speak to the church if they are going to error if they are deviating from the perfect will of God, and to help the church to be in the perfect will of God. You know, the church as a body. Yeah, so that is the office of the prophet. Now, prophetic declarations can come from prophet or a man of God who is operating under a strong prophetic anointing. Amen. Um, I remember um, about four years ago, we were having miracle service. Uh, I think it was November, and that was the last miracle service in November. And I was making declarations, and I, I felt the anointing. You know, you know, you can just tell when the anointing is there that you are seeing things that are happening. And then I was declaring, you know, that I see people receiving houses, I see people receiving cars, I see people receiving promotion, I see people receiving appointment letters, and I was declaring because it was miracle service. And as I was declaring. You know, um, one of our members, brother Maxwell, he's, um, he said he was receiving it, receiving it. And then when we closed, he realized he has me, he had like 14 missed calls. So he went out and he called the number. And uh, the person who picked the call said, I, I have some houses I'm selling. You know, they are into property management and sales, he and his wife. So this man said, I have a number of houses. I think, I can't remember. I think it's about 20 houses or so. And I want all of them sold in one month because... I have a a strong, a serious need for money. And if you can sell all the houses in one month, I'll give you one house for free. Then he remembered the prophetic declarations I made. So he said, yes, deal, I'll sell them. And they prayed and uh, long story short, they sold all the houses within a month. And then they got one house for free, free of charge. And that is how powerful prophetic declarations are. It is very important for us to appreciate prophetic declarations. Isaiah 42, verse 9, he said, The former things have come to pass, new things do I declare. Before they happen, I want to tell you. So God will always speak before he performs. God will always speak before he performs. You know, in Genesis 21, verse 1, Genesis 21, I want to read it for us. I want to read it for us. Yeah. He said, And the Lord vis- visited Sarah as he has spoken. So you see, God spoke, then he followed up with a visitation and then a performance. So, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had spoken. And the Lord did for Sarah what he spoke. Amen. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God has spoken. So Sarah gave birth to Isaac at the age of 90, but it didn't happen uh, by accident. Before Sarah became pregnant, God spoke to Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah believed. So prophetic declarations are very important. But sometimes we hear prophecies that don't happen, isn't it? Um, Even in this church, uh, there are are prophecies I've given to people up to now, I'm wondering. But then, I want to say that there are reasons why prophecies don't come to pass. I spoke on that last week. I said the first one is lack of faith. When you hear a prophecy and you don't believe it, it doesn't happen. The second one is despising the prophecy. You hear prophecy and you are very skeptical. You laugh at it um, or you are wondering who told him something. The third reason why prophecies don't, don't manifest is human involvement. If God tells you you are going to be a multimillionaire, you don't just sit down, fold your hands, do nothing, and become a multimillionaire. No, that prophecy is telling you what kind of preparations to do. It's pointing you to homework, the homework that you need to do. Prophecy, some prophecies are a call, a wake-up call to responsibility and to a lot of hard work. And sometimes people hear prophecy and they don't work to merit it. They don't work their way into preparing for it. And, and that is what happens. If God tells you that you're going to be president one day, He tells you you have to be careful with your life, manage your integrity seriously, study a lot, go to school a lot, study a lot, study leadership, develop yourself, develop, 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 and be ready. Yeah, but you can't just hear yeah, you're going to be uh, head of state one day and then your track record is so horribly horrible and and mess uh, and then you come and say god god deceived you it's not god that deceived you you messed up the prophecy but number 5 reason why some prophecy don't happen is god prophecy is time sensitive prophecy is time sensitive everything god says he has a time when it happens so sometimes people are not patient they rush their way into doing a lot of things that disrupt the prophecy so prophecy is time sensitive you have to know how to be patient. You know, every time we talk about patience, there are two ways that come to play. The first one is timing. The second one is process. No amount of faith will make you have everything happening unless you are patient. And so if you ever receive a prophecy, you must know that there is a process and there is a timing to everything. You have to endure a lot of things. You have to go through a lot of pain. You have to go through a lot of difficulty. You have to refuse to quit. You have to stand strong. You will go through a lot of things. A lot of things will happen that try to discourage you, that try to, to, to make, it, make the prophecy look like a lie, but you must stand strong and be firm and make sure that what God has spoken to you comes to pass. The last reasons why some prophet declarations don't happen is because of satanic hindrances. I spoke about this last week. I want to talk about prophetic manipulations. Prophetic manipulations. It is very important on this subject of the prophetic that every Christian understands that the prophetic anointing, whether it is a man of God with a prophetic anointing or an ordinary Christian or even a prophet who is preaching from the office of the prophet, because the prophetic is always operated by human beings, it can be manipulated. Anything that has a human element has a margin of error. Anything, any phenomenon, any experience that has a human factor as a margin of error. So we have to be very careful to make sure that we do not subject ourselves to manipulation by the prophetic ministry. The prophetic ministry can sometimes be manipulated. you know. So sometimes, I want to give you examples of prophetic manipulation in the church. Somebody doesn't like something you want to do, and he comes to you and said, I had a dream that you did this and everything got destroyed. That person didn't have any dream. He's just trying to manipulate you. I've said you how I did a wedding introduction and a member of the church came to me and, and says, Pastor, I had a dream about these two people. I dreamed that their marriage uh, was very, very terrible. And uh, it is like, I think you should talk to the guy because he's going to marry the wrong lady. That is manipulation. And you must come to the place of being so sensitive that when somebody is talking to you, trying to use the prophetic to deceive you, you will become alert and be able to escape. That is because many people have suffered in the church because of lies. Many people have married somebody because I know um, a guy who went to give money to a certain prophet and said, you know, I propose to this lady. The lady is not agreeing, but I want you to do it like you you are prophesying. And this prophet went to call this lady and says, I had a vision that you and this guy got married. And uh, God says, uh, don't worry. That marriage had problems, problems, problems. And the matter came to me. And I said, you can't let yourself be deceived that way. In any case, I want to say there are certain major decisions you don't make it because of a prophecy you heard from somebody. Yeah, recently, I was having a conversation with my daughter about her lifetime career. And he said, uh, want to be a medical doctor? So I was asking her, do you really want to be a medical doctor? Because she kept talking about, well, she wants to be a medical doctor. She wants to be a medical doctor. I said, pray about this decision very well. Do you really want to be a medical doctor? Because um, she was going to school and wanted to know what course she choose. Whether she should choose science, um, general arts, or business. And uh, she had seven ones. So... We had to be sure. And then she started saying, well, you know, there was this prophecy in church by a certain pastor that I, I was a doctor. And I said, okay, so put the prophecy aside. Besides, apart from the prophecy, what do you want to do? And she says, I really haven't, can figure out 100% yet. I said, okay, then um, let's do a course that is convenient for you for now whilst we keep praying. Because some career decisions are, it, are difficult to arrive at. Some people figure it out very early. Some people take time to figure it out. So, And I don't want to rush uh, my daughter to make a decision on somebody's prophecy. And uh, I've had a lot of prophecies that, you no know, one of my daughters was in courtship with a, an Elway guy in this church. And a certain pastor came. I think he already knew that this daughter of mine is in courtship. And you cannot use things you already know as a prophecy. And he came and called the lady forward before the hooch. And so, oh, I see you marrying an Elway. <laughs> But unfortunately for him, his forecast didn't work because the relationship broke up. Now my daughter is married to somebody from Adam. <laughs> you see? So you don't make lifetime decisions on a prophecy unless you are very sure that this is God talking to you. Otherwise, you can easily be manipulated. I'll read to you a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 13 from verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own hearts. Okay, I want to read it again. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. So God says, there are some prophets who follow their own spirit, and they have seen nothing. So they are prophesying from their own spirit. They've already figured out what they want to say. And they are just saying something, but they, they hide behind visions. And they say, it. and um, it's, it's, it's happening in churches. Many, many, many people are getting confused. You know, in my lifetime as a pastor, I, it's, it's amazing how many calls I've received from people. You know, I just then I got a, a call from a strange person. He said, that I'm a prophet. God has given me a word for you. The first question I ask is, did God give my phone number? How did, you, how did you get my phone number? Because I believe God won't give any prophecy to a stranger for me. I have men of God that I submit to. I have my preacher fathers. I have, I have men of God who hear God clearly. And I have friends who are prophets. I have friends who are prophets. I have sons who are in the prophetic ministry. And, and myself, I can hear God well. So I can go bypass all these many good people around me and go and talk to a stranger I don't know question is, I don't know you, so how can I be sure that it's God that is talking to you? But do you know something? Most of the time, these people that call, they are all fake people. They meet church members. They ask them questions about the church. Sometimes they even come to the church. These guys, like a church member, they come and sit in the congregation. They pick a lot of information. And then they go and call you the pastor. They call you and say, God has given me a word for you. And that if you are a pastor and you are very naïve, and he matured, you get deceived. God, they are going to tell you things that are very accurate and true. But I want you to know it's not from the Spirit. They are information they gathered from people, and they just wanted to use it to manipulate you. You know, you know a member of our church was invited by a friend to go and meet some prophets. Apparently, this friend had told that so-called um, con person, told a lot of things about this church member. So when they got there, the man was saying things, as if it was a vision he has seen. But that is how manipulations take place. He said, They follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. He said, Oh, Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, That says the Lord. But the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken false divination? You say, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Therefore, that says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. So I want everybody to see that in this scripture, God says, he did not send them. He did not send them. They are spoken false visions. And there are many false visions that we all need to be very careful about. These days, crooks who call themselves prophet are going about defrauding people. Especially if you are rich. They will find out a lot of information about you. And then they meet you. Um, recently, uh, a friend was telling me they are not targeting special events. They will go and be in the car park. Once you park your car and you get down, they will walk close to you. And they say, I'm a prophet from Koforidua. I'm a prophet from this place. God said, I should tell you this and this and that. And then they give you their number and say, call me. You know, you have to be very careful with fraudsters and crooks so that you don't get deceived and destroyed. I'll read the book of Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, reading from verse 16. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. It said, that says the Lord of hosts. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you wordless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. So it's easy for somebody to speak to you a vision that is not from God. Either somebody bribed them. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 6, I think I mentioned this uh, in the part 3. If you listen to the part 3 of my teaching, I said that Nehemiah was almost destroyed by a man who had been bribed. If you read Nehemiah 6, verse 11, the Bible said, a certain prophet, I think this man was a real prophet. So it's not even the crooks alone who can manipulate you. A true prophet can also deceive you sometimes because they are human. Maybe myself, you should be careful with me sometimes. When I'm, when I'm giving prophecies, you have to pray about it and be sure. And I said, I'm reading Nehemiah 6, 11, and I said, should such a man Okay, let me read from verse 10. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehitabel, who was a secret informer. You see? So this man was a secret informer, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come and kill you. So this man Called Shemaiah. Shemaiah was telling Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I've seen that tonight some people have plotted evil to come and kill you. So let's go and hide in the temple. Now, if somebody is, is asking you to come into the church building, the temple to come and hide, will you suspect that is his conspiracy? But Nehemiah knew it was not of God. And I said, verse 11, should such a man as I flee? And who is there, such as I, who will go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceive that God has not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalas has hired him. You see that? Hallelujah. It means Sambalah and Tobiah, they hired him. To hire somebody means what? Pay the person to offer specific services. So this man was giving prophecy because he was paid. And I want everybody to know, it's still happening today. So my advice is, don't take any prophecy from a stranger. I don't think God will ever speak to you from a, through a stranger. A member of my church came to me one day and said, there was a prophetic meeting somewhere and they mentioned her name. Should she go? I said, don't go. I'll pray for you. Uh, I know you better than that person. They do these things to just extort money from people. Incidentally, they never mention the names of people who are poor. It's always rich people. And I've seen this. There's death coming to your house. I, want, I need to come to your house and anoint the place. These days, with social media, it's even easier to get a lot of information about you. Because some of you, everything about you is on social media. Your house is on social media. Even your bedroom. You take pictures in your bedroom and put it on social media. You make it easy for con men. You know? So, there are a lot of prophets today who are going to churches. They mention people's names. They call birth, date of birth. They say things... I know prophets who, can, who by the grace of God can mention the names of people and see a lot of things of people by the spirit. You know, I started hearing the names of people in church. I mean, right around 1991, when I gave my life to Jesus, uh, I was in a camp meeting, a ICGC camp meeting, trade fair. That was my first time. Prophet Anwar was ministry. He mentioned the names of people. And I was saying, Ha, ah, who is that? Because I just got born again, I never knew there was anything like that. It was mentioning the names of people. I mean, see, you, you can tell, you know, so God can do that. But there are also, you know, a lot of uh, rubber stamp um, versions, Facebook. And, and uh, these days, because of Facebook, it's very easy. And, and that's why I have people in this church. We know how to track you. If you are a Facebook prophet, we know how to check you out. And then we, we mark you out. Because if God hasn't spoken to you, God hasn't spoken to you. If God has spoken to you, uh, you don't need to... Mention names, I mean, for us to know you are a genuine prophet. But they can get a lot of information from you, from people, or from Facebook. And um, they use it to mess people up. And today, many, many, many people have been deceived. That is why the book of 1 Corinthians 14, verse uh, 29. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29. It says, let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. So even in the church, the Bible says that when prophets speak, people must judge the prophecy. Because it's being operated within human, a human vessel. It's being operated within a human person. And a human being can sometimes have a margin of error. And that's why my pastor, anytime my pastor is giving prophecy, he asks the people, does this make sense to you? Can I begin to the same thing? Can I begin give prophecy? Ask the people, does it, do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, throw it away. Forget about it. Because God will not confuse you. God will not speak to you. Never, never listen to any prophet who say, hey, this is the word of God. Don't challenge it. If you challenge it, uh, you will die. No, 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 no. Any times people start talking, hey, God said if you don't obey, you'll die. No, that is manipulation. Let the prophet speak and let one judge. That is the principle of the prophetic in the church. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Amen. The spirit of the prophets. What is the spirit of the prophet? The prophetic anointing is under the control of the prophet. Now, if the prophetic anointing is under the control of the prophet, it means the prophet can sometimes manipulate with it. That is why it's always important to judge the track record of a prophet you are listening to. The maturity of the prophet is very important. Because when people become matured and God-fearing and close to God, they are very careful uh, not, not to abuse the office. Because many people have abused the office of the prophet to manipulate people to do things that God never intended for them to do. And that is something that I I want all of us to to learn very carefully so that your Christian life, the prophetic will become beneficial to but it will not become a liability. You know, in some churches you go today, the prophetic has become the the, the trouble, you know, And, and people are using it to create a lot of things, you know. One of the things I hate is to see visions for other church members. I'm talking about people from another church. If you are a man of God, let God use you to minister to your own members. The only time I see things for other people outside of this church is when I am invited to another church to go and minister. If I'm invited by a church, the pastor invites me. When the pastor introduces me and says, let's welcome, let's receive with the clap offering, Reverend Henry Hubert. Now, at that particular moment, the pastor has ceded his authority over the church to me as I stand on his platform under his delegated authority, I am able to flow and minister to people. When I'm done, I don't give my complimentary card or my, my phone numbers to some of these people that I minister to and ask them to come and see me later. No, I don't call people. I don't call. There is no church I've gone to preach that after leaving, I have to call some of the members to come and see me for another special prayer. That is all disorderly. Disorderly. It's ungodly. You know, but there are people today who call themselves prophets. They go and preach in a church. After preaching, they have become the second pastor of, the, of that church. They are calling most of the members to come and see them. Sometimes they call them to a prayer meeting. They invite them to their church. Come and uh, receive a vision. I saw a vision about you. Sometimes some of these prophets can. Manipulate a member until the member doesn't listen to his own pastor anymore. Every decision that, that member wants to make, he has to go and consult that prophet. And I'm asking and I'm asking such, such people. I mean, somebody invited you to his church, honored you and respected you. Is that the best you can do? And there are certain people call themselves prophets. If you go to their church today, all the people there are from different churches they went to preach in. I mean, you are not ashamed. You are not ashamed of that. And, and I tell pastors, I said, don't invite every prophet to your church. You don't owe everybody invitation. You don't, you don't, you can't invite every prophet to your church. Can I tell you something? Last time, my pastor told me, Pastor Eric, Pastor Eric told me, no prophet will preach in the church again unless the person is about 50 years. Yeah, about 50 years. You know why? Because of some of these experiences. You know, last time I was recommending somebody, to my pastor I said, how old is he? He said, no, 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 he's not qualified. I want people who are matured, who have integrity, who are responsible, who are God-fearing. Because there are many prophets today who are not helping to build churches. They go and scatter churches. They go and scatter churches. And that is very shameful because that is not why Jesus established the prophetic office. Jesus established the prophetic office to help build the church, not to scatter it, not to destroy it, not to break the church, not to mess the church up, you know. That is why I'm teaching this thing with all uh, passion because I want everybody to understand. Not every prophet will preach in my church, no. Uh, no. I mean, you, if you are not disciplined, you cannot preach in my church. After all, I mean, I can prophesy to my members if I need to. And I tell pastors, I tell pastors, I said, <laughs> let God use you to bless, to minister to your members. Let God use you to be a blessing to your church. That is the best way to go. Because 90% of these so-called prophets that come to church, they are not coming because they want to help build your church for you. They are coming to come and just ex- exploit your church. By the time they go, they have exploited the church, taking people, you know, a pastor friend of mine, you know, a prophet came to his church and took most of the responsible people in his church, took all of them away. I mean, I don't know what to say. Huh? Can you imagine, I mean, and such people, do you expect to be invited again to that church, you know? That is why some prophets can't preach in the same church for two years. They can't. They preach here once, they don't go there again. They preach there, they don't. But if you are a true prophet of God, a genuine prophet of God, you should be able to preach in churches for 10 years and they still invite you. That means you have character. And if you're a pastor, you want to invite prophets or not only prophets, any man of God, check their track record. Investigate, ask questions. Before you put yourself in trouble, in the book of First Thessalonians 5, I hope I am informing you adequately. I hope you are learning something and, and receiving blessings. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21. It says, Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So the Bible says that it is not good to despise prophecies, but you should also be careful not to just Swallow every prophecy that comes, just like that. Test all things. Test, 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 test all things. Judge. First Corinthians 14 says you should judge prophecy. First uh, Thessalonians said, test all things. Hold fast only to that which makes sense to you. I'll read uh, another important scripture. 1 John 4, verse 1, uh, I think to 3. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but... Test their spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do not believe every spirit. Test their spirits. Why? Many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the issue of false prophets has been, has been here since Bible days. It's been here, and it will continue to be here. And I'm not preaching this because I, I hate prophets. No, I don't hate prophets. I love prophets. Our very good friends who are prophets. I will always bring prophets to this church. But we need to know how to, to manage their ministry properly to our benefit. Amen? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. Amen. Okay, so he said, test every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. And the reason why you must not believe every spirit is because many false prophets have gone into the world. And he said, how do you test a Jesus standard? A prophet who is of God will always point people to Jesus. He will not point people to himself. A prophet who talks more about himself than Jesus is dangerous, and you need to run from them. A prophet with of God, is pointing people to Christ. John the Baptist is our example of a true prophet of God. He said, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. He said, I'm not fit to lose the lace on his shoes. That is a true prophet of God. A prophet who come and throw his weight around, try to let everybody know he is the, as he's the Alpha and the Omega, he is the everything, it's dangerous. Amen. So that is about um, prophetic manipulations. We have to make sure that a prophet doesn't come here and, and, and then come and have a secret meeting with you somewhere and tell don't tell your pastor. Anything that is shrouded in secrecy is devilish. You know, a pastor friend of mine invited a prophet to his church. This prophet managed to have a secret meeting with all the rich people in his church in a hotel without the knowledge of the pastor. And then he Told them a lot of things that he saw about them. Everything he said about them was true. So, this man was a true prophet of God. In fact, I know this prophet. He's a true prophet of God. But then he told them, all of them, to give him a seed of $5,000. And then he's going to pray for them. And the condition is that they must not tell anybody, not even their pastor. If they tell somebody, the prayer will not work. So, do you know what these people did? They all gave him $5,000 each. And then kept quiet over it because nobody wants his money to uh, be lost. He prayed for them. Nothing worked. Nothing changed. Because anything that is started in secrecy is devilish. It produced no result. Now, how did this pastor friend of mine got to know? Because one of the people, even though he used to be rich, was no more rich. He didn't have any money. But he didn't want the people to know he didn't have money. So he went to borrow the $5,000 because he was believing God that the prophecy would work and things would turn around and he can be able to pay. Unfortunately, nothing changed. And then, the, the, the creditors were chasing him for the $5,000. He didn't know what to do. They were threatening to take him to the police. And he had to rush to his pastor and say, this your friend has, has destroyed me. He made me borrow $5,000 for him. He told me not to tell you, but pastor, now I'm in trouble. They are taking me to court to confiscate my, 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 my shop. Uh, that is how the pastor got to know. So the pastor now realized that <laughs> exploitation is going on in his church without his knowledge. How can you be so callous to deal with a guest speaker without the knowledge of your pastor? And uh, I hope none of you will do that because if you do that, well, it's up to you. I can assure you, you won't get anything out of that kind of prayer. It's all fraud. It's all fraud. It's all fraud. So let me close by talking about prophetic encounters. Prophetic encounters. What is the true mark of a prophet? The true mark of a prophet is that when you meet a prophet, your life must change. You know, I tell people all the time, I said, the true mark of a man of God is not how many people's name he mentioned. The true mark of a prophet is not how many visions he saw. The true mark of a prophet is that after the program, the things he said, did they happen or they didn't happen? If what he said happened, then we can say this is a man of God. Yeah. So when you meet a prophet, you must be very focused on change in your life, more than the theatrics. The theatrics, I'm talking about the drama. You know, sometimes people go to prophetic meeting. all they are looking at is the drama and the manifestations. Uh, you know, they get carried away with everything else except a change in their lives. But the question I want to ask you is, you know, the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 9, no, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, it says that, When Saul met Samuel, Samuel gave him a prophecy. And the Bible said, when Samuel was leaving Saul, he was turned into another man. Saul's life changed. God gave him another heart. Why? Because he was about to have a different assignment. The encounter with the prophet was giving him a different assignment. And so his life changed. So that is the prophetic ministry. You know, when you meet a prophet, you must be more concerned about the changes that a prophet's ministry is manifesting in your life. You know, you don't follow a prophet because you want to receive anything material. You know, when Elijah asks Elisha, ask for one thing that I can do for you before I'm taken away. Elisha didn't ask for money. You don't meet a true man of God and ask for money or ask for material things. You ask for a lifetime transformation, a blessing coming on your life that for the rest of life life will not be poor again. Because if a prophet gives you money, the money will finish, right? But that prophet can speak a word over your life, and then heaven opens and favors are flowing in, your finances have changed, and miracles are happening in your business, and breakthroughs are manifesting. And that is it. So one of the things I want us to be concerned with in this church is that we judge the anointing on the man of God by the impact impact, the impact of that ministry, on our lives, on our individual lives. Not only on our lives, but um, everything that we do, you know, everything that we do. And that is something that we need to be very mindful of. Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said to Elisha, hey, you've asked for a very hard thing, but if you see me, you ask if when I'm taken away, you will have it. And the Bible said that Elisha received the anointing on Elijah And from that day, his life changed, his status changed. The Bible says his colleagues came and bowed down to him. And that is the effect of Elijah's ministry on Elisha. In John chapter 4, we read from verse 9. And then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, How is it that you, you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, And who it is who says to you, give me a drink? You will have asked him and he will have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? (laughs) You know, so Jesus met a woman and the woman did not know it was Jesus. Ah, I pray that the day you meet Jesus, you will recognize him in the name of Jesus. I pray that... The day you meet a man of God, you will be discerning to not miss your miracle. This woman had no clue who he met. But Jesus wanted to help her to experience a breakthrough and a change. And I pray that a change will happen in your life in Jesus' name. So Jesus said to the woman, can you give me some water? And the woman became suspicious. uh, Because this woman has had all manner of experiences with men. (laughs) So the woman said, hey, wait a minute. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You just don't like talking with Samaritans. How can you ask him for water? Maybe you have ulterior motives. Then Jesus said, him, Jesus said, if you knew, somebody say, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew what? The gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you will have asked him and he will have given you living water. And the problem with many people is that they meet men of God, sent their way by God to change their lives. But they don't know it. I pray that you will know the man God sent to change your life. In the name of Jesus. And when you meet such a man, don't ask for money. Don't ask for shoe. Don't ask for dress. Ask for a change in your life. In the name of Jesus. If you knew the gift of God. This woman did not know. If you knew the person who is asking you to give him water. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now this scripture takes me to... 1 Kings chapter 17. You remember the widow of Zarephath? The widow of Zarephath was about to go and, was gathering firewood to go and cook his last food and die. Because the last food in the time of famine means you cannot get any food again. And I'm sure this woman has seen other people die of hunger. So it wasn't anything strange that time. And, but God sent Elijah to rescue this woman from death. And when Elijah met the woman, you know, the first thing Elijah asked for, he said, can I have water? And Jesus, Jesus met this woman and Jesus said, what? Can I have, give me water to drink? So I don't know. Maybe Jesus was copying Elijah. But the, the difference between the widow of Zarephath and this woman, is that the widow of Zarephath, she recognized Elijah as a man of God. Because God told Elijah in 1 Kings 17 from verse 6 downwards, that I have commanded a widow in Zarephath to take care of you. That means this widow was close to God. So she, she had God and God had spoken to her. But unfortunately, this woman, this Samaritan woman wasn't close to God. So she didn't know whom she was meeting. So I pray that you are a child of God, you have the spirit of God. And when you meet a man of God, a true man of God, you will be able to discern him and you'll be a blessing to your life. So I'm talking of two extremes. You know, some Christians have met fake prophets and they have defrauded them, and and destroy them and extorted money from them and, and messed them up. Some other Christians, too, don't believe in the ministry of any man of God at all. And then their life is like that. You know, I heard a church member say one time that I don't believe any pastor. Hallelujah. Yeah, and I can tell you today, that man is a, a struggler. <laughs> He's a struggler and there's nothing I can do about it. I never said anything against him. I don't wish him evil. But the scriptures cannot be broken. Do you know what the Bible said about men of God? It's 2 Corinthians 20, verse 20. He said, believe in the Lord your God. You shall be what? Established. You shall be established. Then he did not end there. He goes on to say, believe also his prophets and you shall prosper. So <laughs> you can believe in God. But God's principle, he will always minister to you through a human vessel. That's why God himself, in order for him to save us, he had to come as a human being. So if you say, I don't believe in any pastor, you are already in danger and in trouble. I will advise you, yes, there are many, 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 many fake, dangerous pastors, fake and dangerous prophets, but they are also good pastors. They are good prophets. They are good men of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. I believe that my pastor is a good man. I believe that Pastor Mensa Table is a good pastor. He's a great man of God. That's why I follow them, you know? So, So I'll advise you, don't believe every man of God, but don't doubt every man of God either. Look for the right man of God and learn from them. God wants to bless this woman's life. But for, for you to have an encounter with the man of God and see a change, the condition, the key is what? Believe in the person. Believe in the person. What does it mean to believe a man of God? See him as a man of God. Honor him. Respect him and submit yourself to that spiritual authority over his life. If he tells you this is what the Lord is saying, believe it, believe it, and pray with it, and work with it. So let me finish with a story about the Samaritan woman. Very interesting story. So Jesus said to this woman, he said, whoever drinks of this water will test again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never test. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not test nor come here to draw water again. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. (laughs) Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you, you now have is not your husband, in that you have spoken truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Hallelujah. I love this story so much. So you can imagine a woman who is a Samaritan. Samaritans were half Jews, half Gentiles. So like what we call half caste. So um, 50-50. The Jews were so discriminatory that if you are not 100% Jew, they don't see you as a true Jew. So they segregate them. They don't mingle with them. So the Samaritans stay in a, in a city called Samaria. That's where they stay. They don't go to Jerusalem. They don't mingle uh, with them. Today, if you go to Israel, it's not like that. Today, if you go to Israel, you see many different nationals, you know, even Palestinians. I saw Palestinians working in, in Israel, living with them, I mean, happily, uh, you know, contrary to what we see on TV, as if all the Jews, they just catch every Palestinian and kill them. It's not like that. Um, a lot of those news items are not very accurate. I don't want to go into that. But yes, a Samaritan woman coming to the well. Jesus is sitting by the well, obviously on assignment because Jesus wanted to reach the whole city, but he wanted to work through the woman. I pray that God will use you to uh, reach your generation and your family by the power of God. But it begins with an encounter with a man of God. That change. And this woman desperately needed a change. I'm sure this woman has been asking a lot of questions. What is wrong with me? No man stays with me. She has changed different, 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 different men. Jesus said, you have had five husbands. Five husbands. And he's living with a sixth one. So Jesus was the seventh man that <laughs> she came into contact with. And of course, Jesus is the, uh, uh, the one who changed her life. Uh, even though he did, not, he did not need to marry her, uh, he changed her life. But how did the change happen? This woman, Jesus said, give me water. And the woman said, hmm. No Jew asks a Samaritan for water. What actually do you want? Jesus said, if you knew who is talking to you, you would have asked him for water. The woman says, hey, Jacob is our father, and he's the one who owns this, he who gave us this well, and we are drinking from it. Are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus said, anyone who drinks from this well will test again. But as a water I give, if you drink it, you will never test again. The woman said, hey, then give me that, that water. And Jesus said, go and call your husband. And the woman said, I don't have any husband. <laughs> I don't have any husband. I'm husbandless. <laughs> but then Jesus opened up the prophetic to the woman. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, yes, what he said is true. But you didn't say all the truths. You hid some, you're hiding some, some secrets. And uh, don't we all have secrets? Yes, but only the prophetic can bring out the secrets. But not to destroy or condemn us. The prophet will bring us secrets in order to transform us. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. The, you, know, you know, the devil reveals secrets to destroy, but the Holy Spirit, he reveals secrets to transform. So, Jesus, look at what Jesus did. Jesus said to her, You have spoken the truth that you don't have a husband, but the, the other part of it is that you've had five husbands and you are still living with the sixth man, but you are not married to him yet. Be, be him yet. The woman's attitude changed. The woman realized that, no, this is not just an ordinary Jew. It at like this man is a prophet. That's what I put in this scripture. The woman perceives. Say, I perceive. In other words, I, I could discern. The word perceive also means discern. You see, prophetic encounter is a result of discernment. You have to be able to see beyond a person's physical appearance. For God to use any man or God to be a blessed life, you have to see beyond his physical appearance. Physical appearance. Because men are going come in different shades and colors in physical limitations. Look at Elijah. At the time Elijah met the widow of Zarephath, he was hungry. He, did, he had no food. But he's carrying the anointing. Now, the same man that that is coming to, to stop farming in her home did not carry food with him. You see, so the woman said, I perceive. That's why I brought in this scripture. Very important. I pray that your discernment about men of God will go up. And the man God has sent to be uh, a turnaround in your life, you'll be able to discern him. Many Christians are struggling today because God has sent men of God their way. They could not discern them, but they rather destroy them. Some of them, they fought against them. Some of them, they rebelled against them. And they are suffering and struggling for the rest of their lives. And there's nothing uh, anybody can do about it. The scriptures cannot be broken. He said, I perceive you are a prophet. That's what the woman said. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to be worshipped. Jesus said unto her, Okay, so a long story. Long story short, this woman threw away water jar and ran to town. What did she go to do? She went to call everybody. She said, I met a man who told me everything about myself. I am sure this man is the Christ. I am sure he is the Christ. Because Jesus told this woman, I am the Christ. You know, Jesus in all his lifetime, he never mentioned to many people who he was. But Jesus told this woman alone that she was, he was the Christ. And the woman went, if you read verse 28, then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, she went to call all the men, so why did, Jesus, why did Jesus look for this one? Because this woman had powerful influence over men in the city of Samaria. So she, she went and called all the men and said, Come and see a man who told me, I'm reading verse 29. Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this not be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In Amen. So, Through this woman's life, the whole city of Samaria was saved. And I'm sure this woman's life will never be the same again. So the prophetic is able to transform people's lives. That is what I'm driving at. The whole import of this subject of the prophetic is to let everybody know, I hope you're all hearing me, that the prophetic, the purpose of it, is to bring transformation. That Christians will understand the work and the purpose of the prophetic and take advantage of it to bring transformation to their lives. In the name of Jesus, to bring transformation to their lives. One of the things that I also want to encourage all of you you to do is to keep reading a lot um, on this subject. I mean, the more you read the Bible, especially because of our Bible reading challenge, there's more you come across in the lives of the prophets. You're um, studying the life of the prophets, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And these teachings will serve as a guideline to give you deeper understanding. I pray that God will bless your life more and increase you and take your life forward. I pray that your prophetic anointing will become sharp. Your prophetic antennas will become sharp. Your prophetic anointing will become very great. I pray for everyone hearing the sound of my voice. All of you pastors, I pray increasing your prophetic anointing in your life. All of you members, are pray and activate the prophetic in your spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit will become activated to flow and operate in the prophetic with accuracy and discernment, that you will not be deceived and be manipulated by the office of the prophet, but the, pro- the prophetic office will become an enabling tool in your life, in ministry, in your, your Christian life, in everything that you do in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you to go back to all that I've taught on the prophetic from the part 1 to 4 like i said they are all on youtube and also on podcast go to podcast and type henry hubert or youtube and type reverend henry hubert you get it and listen to you over and over and i pray that to bless you in a great way in jesus name amen god bless you i love you very much <laughs> hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 24 Remain blessed.